Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 36 of The Revenge of Kang, and for the first time in our coverage of this book, that title is at least two-thirds correct. This page features Kang, engaged in activities that are, if not exactly revenge, then at least the something of Kang. For that reason, I want to set aside the Kokri bullshit we've been talking about. Yesterday we talked about the whole timeline of the adventure up to this point, real shoddy construction. I covered it then, no need to get into the past. We're here to talk about the present, the present in which our heroes have descended a 30-foot hole in the middle of the godforsaken desert of the shitty pocket dimension to find the secret power supply complex within which they will, within moments, find Kang the Conqueror. So laser-focused am I today on this moment that when I say our heroes, I don't even mean the heroes we've been following. Let's not talk just yet about the secret Zoomers, Ford's Furies, the Misfits, even the West Coast Avengers. They're all here, they're all moving through their story, we're going to follow them all through the book, but they've got a lot of baggage. The events of this page, and my problem with the events of this page, are not about our past with these characters. So instead of a regular episode of Mega Dumbcast today, I invite you to a what-if episode of Mega Dumbcast. Please pretend that I am Uwatu the Watcher. Take a moment to lock that in. I trust that you'll go with me on this. I've had some girlfriends decline this very request in other contexts. But in the context of our podcast relationship, I trust that you now have firmly in mind, I'm Uatu the Watcher, and I'm going to introduce you to an alternate reality in which the heroes pursuing Kang through space and time up to this point are none of the familiar faces for this podcast series, but the original invaders, Captain America, Namor the Submariner, the Human Torch, Jim Hammond, and the understudy Human Torch, Tom Raymond. These icons of World War II, displaced in time, descend the 30-foot hole They end up in a four-area-by-ten-area chamber underground where they find Kang's time ship and a, quote, huge piece of machinery tapping the geothermic power beneath the chamber. And it says that just a glance at the machine indicates someone's been tampering with it. Two rounds after the invaders enter the chamber, the judge reads the following box text, quote, Suddenly, you hear some noise coming from inside the time capsule, and a figure emerges from its doorway, a rather menacing figure you recognize as Kang the Conqueror, the super criminal who plies the timelines. Kang seems somewhat surprised to see you. I don't know how you got here, heroes, but you'll soon wish you'd never seen this place. And then he jumps them. Our heroes are jumped by Kang the Conqueror. He's a simple man. Despite everything, despite the complex backstory, despite the time travel, despite his aspirations to rule all of space and time, despite his many different identities, Kang, especially in this form, as Kang, Kang the Conqueror, He's kind of like an early Spider-Man villain, more than anything. He's like the kind of dude who was working as a window washer, and then he got exposed to chemicals somehow, and he got some kind of elemental or animal-themed powers, like now he's got the strength of a hippo, or his eyes shoot ice beams or something, and then he decides to go rob banks. And that's it. That's the character. Kang is like that, except he was a window washer in the far future, and instead of knocking over banks, he wants to knock over realities. But basically the same guy. So when superheroes show up in the middle of his scheme, he starts swinging. And indeed, he fights until he drops. He doesn't get in his time machine and maroon our heroes here, which would make a ton of sense for him to do. 
uh, but instead he fights them. There are stats for Kang earlier in this book uh, on one of the pages that we skipped on account of spoilers. Those stats include Kang from different periods in his timeline and with different gimmicks so that your encounters with Kang are not always the same throughout this adventure. I do appreciate that. In this case, Kang has an invisibility belt, but it's only invisibility at good rank and his invisibility actually turns off once it's had a chance to make an impression and stopped being interesting, basically, which is the ideal amount of time for invisibility to last. All fantasy games, take note, invisibility should last until it stops being interesting, especially when an NPC casts it. So he's got these blaster gauntlets, he can shoot blasts out, he's got his invisibility belt, he's got his armor. You know, he's Kang, and you fight Kang. Our heroes do fight Kang. I'm sure he gets trapped in a cage of fire at some point. I'm sure he gets triumphantly socked in the jaw by Captain America. I'm sure Namor gets on some shit about how you are but a usurper. Now you face the might of a true king of Atlantis, Imperius Rex, etc., etc. Our heroes defeat Kang. I will argue that's not even really the most significant challenge of this scene. You KO Kang. The question now is, how do we get out of this shitty pocket dimension? You'll recall that our heroes came here because, number one, they found plans for and escaped the shitty dimension machine, and number two, those plans indicated that it needed a huge source of power. Ultimately, that's why our heroes are here. It's because this is the biggest power source nearby, so their hope was they would find the machine or the person who invented the machine here, or maybe they could build a machine themselves and power it here, whatever. So now they've come here, they had a random encounter with a Kang whom they dispatched, now they need to get out of here. Fortunately for them, they do find the escape device. It has the power that it needs, which is one of its two significant fuel sources, but it is still missing the other significant fuel source that it runs on, copious reason feat rolls, which our heroes must now supply. Starting right at the top, any heroes who don't have a reason of excellent or better will have to pass an excellent intensity reason feat roll uh, to learn some basics about the device. Uh, it's fully functional. It's been patched into the heavy machinery in this room that transmits all that energy. So that's powering the device. It already has time coordinates set. So when it's activated, it's going to return the heroes to a specific point in space and time. But the heroes can't tell where that is, when that is, and they can't change it in any way. They don't know enough about the machine to change any of the settings. Uh, the mechanism also has to stay where it is. It's hooked up to Kang's time ship, and it says that it's way too complex to remove, to duplicate, to relink. It is where it is. It's going to get Kang's time ship out of here. It's got to be Kang's time ship. It's connected to Kang's time ship. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, finally, one more thing. Kang's time ship cannot actually leave this dimension under its own power. Uh, its dematerialization circuit is not energized. Its power has been drained by earlier events. It'll re-energize itself if it goes into the time vortex, but to get into the time vortex, it would need to dematerialize. If that seems like improbably awful Catch-22-based design for technology as advanced and dangerous as a time machine, uh, obviously you don't watch Doctor Who. This is standard. Basically, every time machine function on the big time machine console occasionally requires you to go on a quest to keep it in proper working order. That's just the way it is. And our hero's quest here is to get this thing into the time vortex somehow so that it can recharge its dematerialization circuit and everybody can go home. This brings us to reason feat number two. Any hero who has a reason of excellent or better or who can make an excellent intensity reason feat realizes the solution to this problem that the author has set up. By hooking up Kang's timeship to the hero's timeship, Kang's timeship can use the hero's timeship's dematerialization circuit to dematerialize. That'll recharge its dematerialization circuit because it'll be in the time vortex. From there, it can use the escape device to escape the pocket dimension with the hero's timeship in tow. Problem solved, right? No, it's time to do more reason checks. Any hero with a reason of good or better can figure out how to use the radio equipment on board Kang's ship to open the hatch 
that leads back up to the desert of the shitty pocket dimension so that Kang's time ship can fly out. We actually do have a hero with a good reason in the invaders, so they can do this, but won't need to because, look, Submariner is on the team. Presented with a big metal door that's already been extremely annoying to find, and that can be opened by either delicate experimentation with a shortwave radio transmitter or just ripping it up out of the fucking ground, Toro's not even going to be able to get his little shortwave radio out of his little asbestos pouch before Namor's hucked this door halfway across the pocket dimension. So the door is gone. Forget the door. Once our heroes fly Kang's time ship out of here, they need to fly it back to their time ship and hook the two ships together. This will require, you guessed it, an excellent intensity reason feat roll. Finally, for extra credit, quote, In addition to the escape device, the heroes will find a two-foot diameter black metallic sphere lying on the control panel of Kang's ship. Anyone analyzing the device and making a successful excellent intensity feat roll learns that the sphere is a sophisticated computer remarkably similar in construction to the human brain. Unfortunately, they will be unable to access the information stored in the computer. So that's just a little taste of what's to come once we've finally left the shitty pocket dimension. This adventure does have an actual plot, although the author has done a great job so far burying it, figuratively speaking, in a trackless desert beneath a hidden door that can only be opened with shortwave radio transmissions, but it does exist and we will talk about it later. But first, this shit. All that remains on this page is the aftermath. Quote, ask the heroes what they would like to do with the defeated Kang. The obvious solution is to leave him stranded in the pocket dimension. After the heroes pilot Kang's vessel back to their own time ship and wire the vessels together to escape, go to chapter 14. Simple as that. Go to, go to chapter 14. That's all you need to do. Cap, Namor, Papa Torch, Baby Torch. Just hook Kang's vessel up to your own time ship and go to chapter 14. Now, they may face some difficulty in this, and there's a note about this in the previous paragraph where the author is writing about the excellent intensity reason feat to hook the two ships together. Quote, Since the heroes will never escape the pocket dimension unless they pass some of these feats, you should definitely encourage them to spend karma. All right, this is the dumbest thing on this page. And this is the reason that I, Uatu the Watcher, have taken you to this alternate reality in which the invaders were the ones to track down Kang in the shitty pocket dimension. The original invaders have many things to recommend them. Uh, Strength, determination, a certain iconic quality, four little wings and tiny green shorts, but not any members with a reason of excellent or better. I grant you most superhero teams do have a big brain on the roster somewhere, but some teams don't. The Invaders is one of those teams. In fact, even when Union Jack shows up later, he barely makes the cut at excellent reason. As a result, in this what-if scenario where the Invaders are here, trying to sort out what to do about Kang's timeship and how to escape the shitty pocket dimension, they don't get to automatically ace these rolls. They've got a roll, and if they fail, the judge has to quote-unquote encourage them to spend karma because otherwise, explicitly, they are stuck here. There is no way out but to pass these rolls. And I'm here to tell you that just to pass the three must-pass rolls at the end of this scene, after the heroes have defeated Kang, like after the Conqueror of Time has been laid low and his timeship reclaimed, after that, just like getting everything hooked into the right outlets, figuring out which position all the switches on the time ship go in, getting your cross-time jumper cables hooked up, just those three rolls will cost the invaders an average of 144 karma. That's to pass the three must-pass rolls. Now, there is a fourth roll, which is not a must-pass roll, but it has the exact same difficulty as all those other rolls. And as a player, you can't know it's the one that you don't have to pass. So you are very likely to spend karma on that one as well. If you do, then that raises the total karma tax to pass this scene as a super team without a big brain on it 
to about 192 karma. The maximum karma you can gain from the adventure up to this point, assuming that you don't, for example, like go to the spire, then turn around and go back, and then go back to the spire, taking the other route to like grind XP. But but assuming that you are taking a single route through the adventure, the maximum karma you can gain if you do everything right and nothing wrong and spend no karma along the way is 205 karma. And that's maximum. I, I calculated it. I think the misfits, the path they took through the adventure to this point, they would have gained about 120 karma. The minimum karma you can have gained to this point just based on karma rewards at the end of chapters is negative 10 because there are big karma penalties. For example, if you're too rough with that Kokri who's trying to throw you in the hut so that you can be executed. And this is ignoring like what karma is for in theory, which is to help you make attack rolls, avoid big supervillain attacks that would otherwise kill you, that sort of thing. Oh, and avoiding death by bulkhead, lest we forget the main purpose of the karma mechanic, uh, avoiding your own time machine killing you. So even if we discount all other uses of karma, this one epilogue to one scene stands a good chance of costing more than the entire karma gains of the adventure to this point, if the team doesn't have at least excellent reasons somewhere on the roster. So after all this build up to Kang, we finally find Kang, we punk him out, he has one shitty invisibility belt that switches off after three rounds of combat, but then we stand to potentially lose every single point of karma we've gained up to this point, just doing yet more impromptu time machine repairs so that the plot can continue. That's the dumbest thing on this page, especially given that, leaving now the what-if dimension in which the invaders are here, the three teams we've been following, even for the misfits who don't have any reasons higher than excellent on the team, 21 karma. We'll do it for them. Compare it again to anywhere from 144 to nearly 200 for the invaders, because the max reason on that team is one rank less. And I'd maybe feel a little bit more forgiving of this if this were for some big payoff for the sciencey character on the team, because we were warned that we were supposed to have one way back in all this in World War II. But this is for no payoff. Why couldn't we have just found a piece of binder paper telling us everything we need to know, like always? What happened to that in our time of need? That thing where there's there are loose pieces of paper giving us vital exposition. This chapter has the advice to judges, you know, encourage the players to spend karma, because if they don't spend karma, they can't leave the shitty pocket dimension. My advice to players is don't fall for it. The judge needs this more than you do. Like, you think you hate it here. Believe me, I've been reading this book. I've been reading every single word of this book to this point. I've been thinking about the structure of this plot. I've been thinking about the construction of these scenes. Believe me when I say your judge wants to get the fuck out of here way more than you do. Your judge is desperate to get you out of here. So when your judge tells you, you better spend karma on this role or you never get to leave, you look that motherfucker in the eye and say, I dare you. I dare you to run another session in the shitty pocket dimension while we mill around here doing nothing. We'll go make friends with the Kokri. You think we won't? We run Snake House now. We'll go, we'll open up one of those pipes, we'll fill up a keg with coolant, we'll make a lot of friends, and we'll make your life a living hell. We're not paying karma to leave here. You have all the cards. There, there's, there's nothing the judge can do. But anyway, whether you pay the karma fee or not, one way or the other, you're getting out of here. As soon as you hook up Kang's ship to your ship, you can leave, and you will arrive at the pre-programmed coordinates, which are at last in the 1960s Marvel Universe. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. 
contact me however you want. I am Mega Dumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.